Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, fellas. Uh, and Dan, uh, special happy primary Tuesday to you. We'll yeah. That later. Pretty Big exciting. Big day in Mr. Primary Day. <laughs> uh, hey, in Minneapolis, where I am, my, the forecast says sunny, 44 degrees, and a chance for snow, which we've only had one time this year, this winter. It's for snow. So, somehow it's, it's going to be 44. It's almost snowing. 60 degrees here in Michigan, and I've got the windows open. It's beautiful. Lovely. Lovely. Here in Arkansas, it's going to hit 80 today in February. Don't love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's almost as if the climate is changing. <laughs> but is it that comfortable eighty, like the no humidity eighty, the yes. like uh, dry eighty? Yeah, really nice. That's it's really that's nice. pretty, barely. It's, it's windy though. It's windy. Mm, it's a wild okay. day eighty. Good day for a bike ride then. So it's, yeah, it's not a great day to sit outside and smoke a cigar. There you go. It's a little windy. You ever, you ever smoke a cigar while riding a bike? Is that, is that a thing people do? Just I don't think that's a thing. Chugging I'm along sure like a choo-choo train. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't think I've ever seen someone with a cigar in their mouth on a bicycle. I feel like that could be a, I feel like that could be a thing. Hey, uh, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. We're going to talk about many, uh, many important things having to do with our political life uh, that we're all living in and experiencing uh, here. But... Um, Hey, uh, Kimberly Johnson is in the chat. Says, good morning from Minnesota. I had the privilege of meeting Kimberly uh, at the Garden Country on Sunday. It was great to see Kimberly and a bunch of others. Uh, Dan and I were in Michigan for a showing of Garden Country over the weekend. Great to see the the good folks of Holland. And then in Minnesota on Sunday where there was a huge turnout at this big theater. We have a couple of these old theaters from old time, old timey theaters where they like seat 700 people, you know, and there's just a ramp up. Of it's a state, it's old school stadium seating, not mm-hmm. the new fancy kind, but like it just peaks up like you're in a stadium. 600 people in that theater watching that film. No way. God and oh, country. That's great. It's raucous um, and, uh, and a whole lot going on. And a couple of people I know who saw it um, who are, uh, well, what one person who, who saw the film and then at the end said to someone else who I know very well, I think I'm a Christian nationalist. No, I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm more on the nationalist side of things. I didn't know what it was called, but I think that's where I am. So they saw a film huh. critiquing Christian nationalism and showing excerpts and clips of Christian nationalists saying things, and then said at the end of it, "Yeah, I think yeah, that's. I think that's how I, that. I see things." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'll just say maybe the film, uh, you know, uh, is available for everyone. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know the thoughts you had, uh, but now we do. Um, so now you have a name for them that, you know, is in the film clearly presented as a threat to democracy. And they're like, yeah, I think I'm more that way. I think I'm more on that, on that side of things. Um, and, uh, so if you have a chance to see it in theaters in the next couple of weeks, great. And it's going to be out on streaming. And, uh, the, the, if you're in the vote common good universe, we will let you know about it when it's available in those those kinds of platforms. But Dan, Michigan was great, but there's more happening in Michigan than just a showing of the film. Yeah. Old uh, Nikki, uh, who's be- chosen now to become a Trump slayer uh, a little late in the game after she uh, was clear that she wasn't going to win or be seeking Trump's voters at any point has come out swinging. And there was a big primary uh, today for both the uh, Democratic process of selecting the next nominee and the Republicans. And uh, a little article said there's four things to watch, two things on the Republican side and two things on the Democratic side. The Democratic side, one of the big questions is, can surrogates turn out the vote when, in a primary time because there's really nothing to be voting for? You know, it's a bit of a foregone conclusion. The other is, will people who are opposed to the way the Biden administration has dealt with the nation of Israel's attack on, on Gaza... Will those people choose to express their views uh, by not voting for Joe Biden in this in this primary and use this as a real statement about those opinions? Uh, and so, not just Arab Americans in in Michigan, but certainly that that population where there's more than two hundred thousand people who would identify as Arab Americans that vote in Michigan, big big number. And a lot of concern that Biden's uh, administration's reaction and response, to what Israel has been doing in its in its military actions against 
Palestinian people in Gaza and Hamas has uh, has turned those people away from being willing to publicly support Biden at this point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much traction this gets, this whole Listen to Michigan campaign uh, that's trying to get 10,000 people to vote uncommitted instead of voting for Biden in the primary. Uh, just to send a message, it doesn't mean they're not going to vote for Biden in the general election, obviously, but it's trying to use what mechanisms are in place to say, hey, we're not thrilled about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, primaries can serve more than the purpose of just picking the candidate, right? They can be a chance for the party to express itself in ways that there are not, there aren't very many ways for someone to express themselves in, in the political system, R- really, right? Like you don't really have that, that many chances. Voting is a, is a very simple task that has one particular outcome. You vote for this person or you don't, and that's it. There's no, you don't get to write in comments, you know, there's not a, uh, no, no one's, no one's scanning through the, the additional thoughts about what went on with your vote. So people have to interpret that by all kinds of other, other means. It's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, we had the, we had the Republican primary in South Carolina, uh, over the weekend that Donald Trump won handily, um, mm-hmm. but only came in with 60% of the vote. You know, we've, yeah. there's been all this talk about how divided Democrats are. And, you know, at the same time, Joe Biden in a in a in a primary that's a foregone conclusion is is pulling in, you know, 90 percent of the vote north of 90 percent of the vote in a Republican primary. That is a foregone conclusion. Donald Trump's only pulling in 60 percent of the vote. And that's that's a super interesting trend to watch if, you know, see how that continues as he inches closer to. The republic securing the Republican nomination. Uh, the other interesting thing is that it's like sixty percent of Nikki Haley voters are saying that they will not vote for Donald Trump in the um, in the uh, in the general election. Uh, Donald Trump has a real problem. Uh, real problem in the Republican primary, and you know we we could talk about. You know, and, and we have talked about the the problem that Joe Biden has with voters who are not happy with some of his policies, some of his decisions. Maybe what's seen as some of his inaction um, uh, with the the Israel uh, um, Gaza situation, and and yeah, Joe Biden's got a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so interesting to see. The, the age the age situation the the mental capacity situation the like the problem within their own party situation it feels to me like in each of these Joe Biden has a molehill problem and Donald Trump has a mountain problem mm. uh, mm. but they are but it feels like they are portrayed in the media the exact opposite. It's like uh, Trump's facing, what, 91 counts of felony wrongdoing. Uh, He's just as old as Biden. He's uh, got all this baggage. And on the flip side, people are like, yeah, but Biden's pretty old. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both. Yeah. The classified documents thing. It's like, it's like they are bizarro versions of each other. And, you know, but one is like crazy out of control, but it feels like the Mm -hmm. narratives are the exact opposite of of what reality is. Yeah. Yeah. The the amount of hand wringing that there is about whether Biden can win this election from Democrats is is unparalleled in in my paying attention to politics, at least. Yeah. And I understand why, because the threat is so high and because they're still so such deep memory of 2016 when there was no way Donald Trump was going to win. Yeah. And then he did. So that is so baked in with the other tendency inside of democratic talking circles, which is that somehow, you know, Republicans will, will pull this thing off and steal the election anyway. Right. That's, 
stealing elections language is 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 rife within the the entire world. No one has funded it to the to the level of criminality like the like the Trump people. But that's sort of around. And I think you're exactly right, Rob. That this is the uh, that if you can pull back emotionally and just talk about behavior of people when they go into voting booths and what they're going to do, there the idea that you would say to Joe Biden. And I know there's a lot of people saying this. I just listened to a podcast by Ezra Klein, who many people who listen to this might also know. And if not, you might very much enjoy Ezra Klein on some things. But he has this podcast out, which is basically begging Biden to step aside. Begging all the people in the system who has some some influence on him to step aside because he is convinced that he can't win and because of polling and some of the rest of this. And then to have a brokered convention and build a whole bunch of excitement in August at the convention. And I think it's I think he's just absolutely wrong about what would happen if there was a a brokered convention. I mean, we may end up with a brokered convention because of some things, but to want it and desire it and push for it and think it's the solution would be really a problem. You'd have so much infighting and you'd have so much bad blood starting up in August. There's no time to recover before November. But anyway, but all of this hand wringing that's going on uh, about this, I, I totally get it because the costs really are high. If Donald Trump does the things as president if he's elected, that he says he's going to do, that would be very, very bad. Um, yes. And there's no indication that he will not do those things. He is he has every every indication of it. And you know, as you say, Dan, Trump's facing down 91 felony indictments, and Joe Biden's facing down 91 years, <clears throat> and and that's a thing, you know, yeah. closer closer you one than he is to 71. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a, that's, that's a real thing. And, um, hey, but these are decisions that should have and could have been made a year ago. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, did, did you see, to, I make one comment about this. One last thing. When Biden says something and he says this a lot, I want to finish the job. The presidency of the United States of America is a perpetual position. There is no finishing the job. You, you don't you didn't start out with with a, a a hole that you wanted to dig and then put a post in it and now you just want to get the post in because all you've done is dig the hole that's not what a presidency is the job is of course never finished mm-hmm. and, and so the language that we use where like well people should just stay until they finish the job well that, that's yeah. i it You need a better logic than that, right? Someone's going to be in that role every second of every day as long as this is a country. So the job's never going to be done. It's just going to have a different person in it. And 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 we need to think about this differently and not – if we're going to have permission structure that says you should run for re-election, it just needs to be based on something other than job completion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing – Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, did you see Gavin Newsom, governor of California, on uh, one of the Sunday shows talking about how Joe Biden's age is uh, actually an asset? Oh, I missed that part of it. Trying to trying to spin that the other way. Oh, that's wisdom. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really convinced. Nice try. <laughs> but the, the other thing to consider with both of these candidates is you're voting for the person, yes, but you're also voting for the team that they will put around yeah. themselves. And I feel like with Biden, you're getting competent professionals in all of these areas uh, that are you know, in his cabinet. With Donald Trump, the argument used to be like, well, there's going to be adults in the room. He's gotten rid of all the adults in the room. Yes. And so he's yeah. just left with these... You know, sneaker-wearing sycophants? <laughs> yeah, sneaker-wearing sycophants and family members. Like, he's trying to put his you know, daughter-in-law in charge of the RNC. These are just people that have no real experience in, in politics other than being a part of the Trump family. And so yeah. when you just look at the people and the teams, it couldn't be a clearer decision. Do you want grown-ups that know what they're doing, or do you want... Uh, people that are looking for 15 minutes more fame, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and, and terrifying. Out of, out of prison. That's, that's the big, that's the big move here for him. That's, that's the big cost for Donald Trump is if he can be elected, 
Then they would pause the state prosecutions while he's president. And then he would pardon himself on the others and they would start working on the rest of that. And that's, this is a, this is a means of, of trying to keep himself out of jail, which is why he spent 250 or $50 million of people's donations or $200 million, some crazy amount of money that he spent on his legal defense funds um, and paying, <laughs> partly paying lawyers. Uh, it's just and, and really paying, paying, you know, for really high quality representation yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Could you imagine thinking about, thinking about what his cabinet might look like in a second term? You just imagine the level of incompetence that is going to make his first term look competent. You know, right. it's That's just terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's, it, we might actually be pouring bleach into people's bodies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Yabbits just made a comment. Uh, we're Trump to black voters. I've got great shoes and a terrific mugshot. Uh, I think that's a great transition into our next story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is Donald Trump just, just coming full on with the racism. Um, uh, you know, yeah. he spoke this week to, uh, uh, at, at CPAC, the, con- conservative uh, political action committee as a part of that there was a uh, a gathering of um, black conservatives I think the 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 black conservative federation or something like that that Trump spoke at um, when you pan the crowd much like you know those wearing blacks for Trump shirts um, it's it was a whole lot of white people uh, in the uh, in showing up there to hear Donald Trump speak to uh uh, to, to black folks, uh, he said a number of racist things during that, including, uh, you know, that, that people like him, black people like him because of his mugshot. Um, just the, this is a man with a history of racism going all the way back to his time in New York city when he, when he called for the, the lynching and the death penalty for, uh, five black men who were falsely accused of a crime. You know, this is a guy who just, it is, it it is deep within his DNA, uh, deep within his psyche and who he is as a person. Um, And, and it is coming out in, in some of the most stereotypical and, and disgusting ways. And, and we're seeing that with, you know, the, the sneaker situation. And now, you know, the talks about the mugshot and, you know, he can relate to black people because he's, he's been arrested. It's just the worst of the worst. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, and there, the Trump people are pointing to voting patterns in 2020 and polling now mm-hmm. that Trump is picking up voters and did in 2020, in contrast to 2016, pick up more uh, black voters between those, you know, over the course of his presidency. It is shocking. And uh, and it's also a, a reminder that overgeneralizing any group of people is not a good idea. That every group of people needs to be uh, sought after and courted and addressed by politicians and candidates and political parties with the full robust narrative of them being people who have a lot of conflicting uh, notions and ideas like all of us. Everyone is that way. Every single group. So this is, I hope this becomes a wake up call to Democrats and, and uh, the, the Biden team as well to not take this stuff for granted. And to not think that there's just whole constituencies they can look through uh, and feel, feel like that one's settled, and uh, I, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's happening because Trump will just brazenly say this stuff, and then it causes a bunch of us to talk about it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's surrounded by people who uh, just continue to tell him just say that stuff. It's you're you know. It's it's a really good thing if you if if you do and uh, and look every president every candidate wants to take their flaws and make them a positive whether it's surrogates talking about Joe Biden's age and taking it straight on, or Joe Biden talking about his age and taking it straight on 
saying, yeah, there's some limitations, but there's also some benefits to it. And Trump is like, okay, I've been indicted 91 times. I have 91 indictments in four separate cases and two other uh, uh, civil cases. I have a mugshot of me. I got to do something with it. And his instinct then is you know, sell it <laughs> to be more racist. Sell it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I don't know if you saw the speech. I saw, I saw what, what he said about this when he actually said it. And he said, you know, we have these shirts and, and people are buying them and was naming different ethnic groups. But the guy lies about this stuff all the time. But the thing he told the truth about, he's like, and they're selling them for like $29. Can you believe that? I mean, people are spending that kind of money on it. You know, even he's like, it's ridiculous what my supporters will spend money on. It's just, just <laughs> none. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways in which Trump is the, you know, the cause of this. And he's also just playing into a wanting crowd who just wants to give him money for his junk shoes and shirts and hats and all the rest of it. The three of us and lots of other people listening to this have been around a lot of political situations in the last four years, five years, six years. Mm-hmm. I've rarely seen anybody wearing swag of a, of a candidate. You can't be around Trump supporters without people wearing his stuff. Like it is mm-hmm. so team oriented. It is, it is shocking. And yet I don't think I sent you this article, Dan, to put up on the screen. From this period of time in 2020, when Trump was the president and then was running for re-election, he has lost 250,000 donors mm-hmm. compared to now, compared to 2020. The people who actually have given him money. So he's been hardcore fundraising for a year and a half now. And when the numbers came in of the, of the amount of donors that he has down a quarter of a million donors, which Rob gets to your earlier point about Nikki Haley voters and the others who are just saying like, no, I am absolutely done. So now will some of those people come back and give him money later and they just don't want him now, or they feel like groceries are too expensive or whatever. Maybe there could be all sorts of reasons you have for it. But if you're losing 250 thousand donors and you're only pulling 60 percent of those who chose to come out and vote in south carolina you are in serious serious trouble Uh, did you catch this interview with trump on fox news uh and the host was like hey uh what would you tell you know the suburban mom that didn't vote for you in 2020 but is Republican, what would you tell this person to come back to you? And he just goes on this tirade about how the election was stolen. And the Fox News guy interrupts him repeatedly. Is like, Mr. Trump, you lost that election. It was litigated in all these courts. There was courts with judges that you appointed said there was no fraud. It was kind of amazing that Fox News repeatedly you know said like no that's not real that's not reality (laughs) Uh, yeah wonderful but again it's just trump's inability he it's a softball question hey would you what would you tell a voter that's on the fence (laughs) and instead of giving them anything trump just goes on a completely false tirade about the stolen election yeah amazing it's it, it, it 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 is something to watch someone only pander to one group of people, those who already support him. And this is where Nikki Haley, because when Trump came out and sent that text and I received it because I'm on Trump's, I, I receive lots of text messages from, from candidates because I like to follow what they, what they do. And I, I must be on a few text strings from the Trump campaign. And in New Hampshire, when Nikki Haley came out and said that thing about like, I'm staying in the race and I'm not dropping out. When Trump said, okay, anybody who's a supporter of Nikki Haley, you're banned from MAGA. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, to say is just madness, right? That he would say, and then just double down on it. Um, and, and I think Nikki Haley very well could stay in this, in this race, even if the, the Republicans choose Donald Trump to be the nominee. I could see a Nikki Haley, Liz Cheney ticket that runs mm. on that no labels party or something to give Republicans a chance to Hmm. vote for the kinds of people they want and not have to go, not have to feel like they're going to go vote for Biden. So I have no knowledge that that's happening. I haven't heard reporting on it. I certainly don't know anything about it. But if someone's not thinking about that, 
they should really think about that. Because if, if Nikki Haley wants to take all the millions that she has raised and if Liz Cheney wants to take all the millions that she has from her former congressional time that sits in her funds and they want to spend that on something, what do you guys think about that notion of a Nikki Haley, Liz Cheney combo ticket running under some third party banner? That's, that's a real interesting possibility. Um, you know, there, there's, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's all this always all this talk about um, what Cornell West, his candidacy for the presidency will do to Joe Biden, what Jill Stein will do to Joe Biden, what uh, to Joe Biden, what, what, uh, you know, Dean Phillips is doing to Joe Biden um, and, and what RFK Jr. Uh, is doing to, you know, would do to Joe Biden. I, if the reality is, is that, Third party candidates, and especially ones that would, you know, would would be, you know, kind of viable in that category, are going to be more detrimental to Donald Trump than they are to Joe Biden. Um, uh, RFK Jr. ultimately is going to pull more Trump supporters his direction than uh, than he will pull Biden supporters. and and the same would be true of you know Liz Cheney and Nikki Haley, um, you know running. It, it would it is far more harmful to Donald Trump's um, reelection hopes than they would be Joe Biden's. You know, especially now that Joe Manchin's decided that he's not going to run uh, for president. Thankfully, um, and uh, you know as as much as I've not like Joe Manchin as a senator from West Virginia. Um, I'm not going to like Jim Justice a whole lot more, uh, but I would have been very upset with Joe Manchin if he had decided to uh, um, to, to run for president. But the people that are um, are actually much more harmful to Donald Trump's reelection efforts than than Joe Biden's. It's it's once again it's like. The narrative that's out there and the hand wringing that's out there, and then you compare it with you know what the reality is, uh, you know it's just so it's so different. And, and I, I know that you know someone as in the chat, and I think they're right that Liz Cheney's fear is that if she runs as a candidate, uh, then that would keep somebody from voting for Biden. <clears throat> People are smart on this and they're obviously going to do polling and all and run the numbers and say, okay, of people who don't want to vote for Trump, will they just not do it even if there's not an alternative and some percentage of those people will trickle over to Biden. And if you give them a viable conservative third party to vote for, then those same people won't vote for Trump, but now won't vote for Biden. So Biden would lose a vote and Trump only loses the same number of votes because these are people who aren't going to vote for him anyway. So someone would have to make a calculation and a determination. Are there more people who would vote for Trump if they didn't have a viable third party to rally around than those who wouldn't vote for Trump if there was just nobody, no, nobody viable? But I think you could put, I think, I think some conservatives, and look, I, I don't want conservatives to be in political power right now. I think it's, I think they've, they've lost the ability to do so. You could make an argument though, that there's a whole lot more people that are looking for an alternative that if they can vote for the no labels party or some other group like this, that fills the itch or fills the the void that they experience by not being able to vote for a Republican anymore. Uh, and leaving it blank for a lot of people or voting for Biden is just something that feels worse than having an alternative that they could, that they could vote for. Uh, so anyway, I think it could, I think you could get a big national push and have, uh, the Liz Cheney's and Nikki Haley's of the world going into 10 or 11 states and making a hard pitch for every Republican to vote for them. And I think yeah. you could, you can make the argument that, that Trump would lose uh, more more significantly, but obviously there's people doing polling and and all this, and they'll you know someone will determine that. But but I could I could see that I could see that working, and I think it's worth I think it's worth trying, at least. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, hey, um, Biden yesterday had, had a chance to, uh, to go on television and talk uh, with Seth Meyers, which, uh, again, I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that if Joe Biden is the is the is the nominee, uh, I'm going to support him. Uh, so, you know, maybe I sound like Mitch McConnell saying I'm going to, you know, I think Donald Trump is the worst thing in the world. He bears responsibility and should be criminally charged. And if he's a candidate, I will certainly support him. Uh <laughs> I don't, want to, I don't want to Mitch McConnell myself into a hole here, but I mean, I'm all for Biden if he's, if he's the candidate. So he went on Seth Meyers show who has a late night TV show that I think is on late night after late night. So I don't know who watches that anymore. Probably people of a younger demographic and I uh, was chit chatting there with, with old Seth Meyers. And then they went down uh, into the lower into the street level of uh, the, the building where they record this in New York and got ice cream. Yeah. Look at got that. Ice cream. Nice uh, little ice cream time to talk about Gaza and what Biden is going to do. <laughs> Just the juxtaposition here is like, let's talk about the mass slaughter that's happening on our watch with our funding of weapons. And let's have a little ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it went the other way, as it turns out. They were just getting ice cream in the press gaggle around someone shouted a question. Uh, but it doesn't it didn't feel that way. And and this is the kind of thing that campaigns have to be thinking about, like, hey, what's it going to look like yeah. if when a president who, by the way, has chosen and a campaign has said this is a chosen tactic to not be available for press interviews? Yeah. Like, apparently, compared to Obama, who did four or five hundred by this point in his first term, the press interviews and Trump, who had done three hundred Biden has done less than 100 and they've been even more curated. So people feel an itch mm-hmm. to get to him to not do a little press gaggle out and then say, okay, now we're going in for ice cream and, and we're just going to hold the questions. They didn't manage that. And then Biden didn't manage responding, not responding to the question. So he made news by responding to the question from a, from a, a reporter about a very serious question. Can there be a ceasefire to stop the the slaughter of innocent people in Gaza and by, by Israel? And what's the U.S. position on it? A question that should be raised to Biden every day until mm-hmm. something happens. And while he has an ice cream cone in his hand, he chooses to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He answers that question with an ice cream cone in his hand standing next to a comedian. It's just, yeah, the optics are not great. Um, Come on! But, and you can almost see it in Seth Meyer's face, like, "Oh boy, is oh, this no. sucks." What you doing? What you doing, buddy? What you doing? <laughs> what you doing, Joey? Yeah, and and let's just let's, let's also not. These are grown men getting ice cream in the middle of the day. Oh, serious! In suits. <laughs> Pull back on the question altogether. What are they doing getting ice cream in the middle of the day? Let me just ask the three, the, the two of you: Have you had any ice cream in the middle of the day recently? Anybody in the no. chat? Did you stop? Did you stop during your work day and get a cone? <laughs> who, who does this? So my my point being, I don't think Seth and Joe are typically out grabbing ice cream. Why did they grab ice cream? For the optics, for the pictures, for the everyman nature of it. So they know what they're doing. They want a photo op of just a couple of regular guys grabbing a cone. <laughs> It's uh, never a good, never you cameras on you all the time, and you want to be licking and biting ice cream <laughs> that you have on a on an edible container in your hand. Ice cream cones, first off, just ridiculous. So, so it's all set up to be like you know Americana look. Then yeah. know that so that's the scene. And, and say, this What's is your- a very important question. We're working hard on it. We'd like to talk to it. We'd like to talk to it after we're done with our confection. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Doug, what's your me. go-to ice cream? What's your go-to ice I cream? Well, back when I was an ultra runner, after long runs, I would have Chunky Monkey, which I mean, uh, sort of a pine Chunky Monkey from... Uh, yeah, uh, Ben uh, and Jerry's. What's it Ben and Jerry's, yeah. Yeah, that's that 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 one I like. But, but okay, so to be truthful, I don't feel good when I eat after I eat ice cream. So I, I don't know if I'm lactose intolerant or just sugar or whatever. So I would I yeah. would rarely ever eat when we even go as a family to get ice cream, I say, nah, I don't need any. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What's, and, what's your go to? Vanilla? Dan, you gotta, oh no, I'm not Joe Biden. Dan, you gotta vanilla? you gotta go to ice cream? Uh strawberry cheesecake of some variety. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, ice cream optics aside, this is good news for people who have wanted Biden to do something about Gaza. He's saying he's hoping for a ceasefire by next Monday. I don't know why it takes this long for him to say, hey, maybe we should stop murdering civilians. And this whole thing where he's like, wow, uh, they're really being difficult to work with. Yeah. You're the president of the United States, though. You've got some weight to throw around here. Like, don't act like, oh, this is a real tough one. You just tell them, we're not going to fund the mass slaughter of innocents anymore. Like, it's not that hard. I, I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. I, yes, and... Do we really have the moral high ground to be like, oh, no, you shouldn't? (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) On another country like, hey, listen, we don't want you to, you know, to mass slaughter anybody. Hey, we know you're copying our exact playbook from any number of wars and invasions, but do as we say, not as we do. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it looks and, like Biden has been out on this, and he has said for the last three months that it, what Israel is doing is is wrong and intolerable and has to change and all the rest of it. But I know that the people disagree about this, and 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 they may be more right than I am. But the United States does is not the same as Israel. And when people say what Israel is doing is what the United States is doing and Israel will do nothing the United States doesn't give them permission to do, that is not true with Netanyahu and the Biden administration. It is not true. And Biden just cannot come out and say the thing that I want him to say and that Dan, you articulated so well there, because that's a congressional decision about the funding of of other countries. So he doesn't have the, and if he says something, he doesn't have the ability to enforce it weakens the hand of the United States and the presidency. So this is why this stuff is so complicated. And we have these relationships and the willingness to give money to certain States to help them survive and to advocate for ideas we think are important. We do that all over the world in many different ways. And that doesn't mean that Israel simply does what, the Biden administration or Congress in the United States wants to do. So they're trying to figure out how to put enough pressure. And it was interesting to hear Biden's actual comments about this. He misspoke and then corrected it himself because he said, by the beginning of the weekend, I mean, by the end of the weekend, he said. So he started and he said, by the beginning of the weekend, they said, by the end of the weekend, I think we'll have a ceasefire. My, my team is telling me that by Monday, this can be in place. So they know precisely how they're working this thing over the next 160 hours to make something happen, to get it to a, a Monday ceasefire. So that's all happening and working. And and if that's the kind of story you could have out, and somebody says he in the chat, you know, he likes ice cream, who cares? This is why it's a problem. Because instead of taking it seriously that Biden steps out and says in a Rose Garden interview or somewhere else. I just want to update people on where we are. This really matters to us. And we're working all the levers of power that we have. He takes it as an offhand comment while he has a single scoop of vanilla in his hand. And that's, it makes it feel like it's off the cuff. Like you're saying, Dan, like he's just kind of randomly responding to these things where what he actually said was, we have a team working very deliberately with a very specific timeline that we think will happen not by Saturday, but by Monday. So they're really deeply involved in this, but it makes it feel like they're not really deeply involved in this right? because as the spokesperson, he's got an ice cream cone in his hand when he chooses to answer this question. That's why this kind of stuff rattles people mm-hmm. or yes. people are like, well, I like strawberry and chocolate. Who gets vanilla? I mean, if you're going to go for a sugar hit and you're going to go for cream, uh, what are you doing with just yeah. standard vanilla? Yeah. That could yeah. be a praline it, it, or even listen, a butter. Alex, pecan. No, he's oh, a vanilla okay. guy. He's a vanilla guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> praline or- yeah. I mean, could there be, and could there be a, ice cream more associated with an age group than butter pecan. Um, but, 
But that being said, did your fathers also or grandfathers also eat butter pecan? It was it is just exclusively. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Rob, as soon as you have your tooth removed, you've reached the age now where your spots aren't a problem, but now you're going to have your teeth pulled. It's time for you to start yeah. thinking about butter pecan more often than you did in the past because you're clearly reaching the level at which the younger children need the need the elderly toothless people in their lives to start enjoying some butter pecan. Yeah. But, I mean, you just – I mean, it feels perfect that Joe Biden would be a butter pecan ice cream eater, but he's not. He eats vanilla. Um, I, on the other hand, am with Alex. Nothing wrong with some uh, mint chocolate chip. And, uh, you know, what Israel is doing is against the international humanitarian law. (laughs) If we're going to merge these two things, I like mint chocolate chip and this is war crime. (laughs) (laughs) That's an amazing comment. (laughs) Yeah. And ceasefire and mint chocolate chip and international violation of human rights. Which, what's, uh, which is, uh, but I don't think there's any other way to describe this and the wrongheadedness of the yep. nation Israel government is on full, full display at this point. Um, and, you know, some, sometimes something that is such a well laid plan just tips over and falls apart. And for all the yep. people who have said we should stop spending government money on going to the moon, let's give this to the private sector. Congratulations, you did. You, you sent a, uh, a a private uh, moon landing mission, and it's gonna, <laughs> the headline says it's on the screen. Uh, you have to be cut short because the spacecraft tipped over. <laughs> and, wah, wah, wah. Sad trombone. Sad trombone. <laughs> the, the still till till this day. I mean, let let alone nineteen sixty eight. Uh, the ability to thrust a big piece of metal from earth and land it on the spot on the moon that you intended is an incredible that we should not look past just really quite amazing. Yeah. I mean, near implausible really when you think about it. Yeah. As some of you, Rob, I know have thought about it considerably that it is really, really hard to believe that it actually happened. Um, we don't uh, and, need any more time, conspiracy strikes on this show. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get in trouble when we talk about this stuff. And I don't know why moon landing would be one they would take this break at. But when I was a kid, you, we had these things called moon boots. I don't know if they had them when you guys were kids. Did you have moon boots? Yeah. The kids moon would wear. Yep. So did Napoleon Love Dynamite. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Did you okay. um? You put you put well, me, bread bags in your moon boots. Moon boots. Uh, the, the reason the moon boots were thick on the bottom and called moon boots was because the astronauts had very thick boots. Do you remember this whole thing from your conspiracy? <laughs> yes, because they thought there would be inches of dust. There had to be inches of dust because of the things we believed about science. And they got there, and there's no dust on the moon. There was no need for the moon boots. Did you wear your with moon boots space, with uh, with? Spacecraft. Did you wear your moon boots with bread bags so uh, so your feet wouldn't get wet? Yeah, you yeah. got to keep those toes dry. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Well, I didn't get honestly. Now I'm remembering it. We, I, we didn't. I didn't get to have moon boots. They were expensive when I was a kid, and we oh. didn't. I didn't get to have them. I'm just now remembering that. So no, oh. I never had. I had other ones like galoshes, like rubber, rubber things oh. over my other shoes. Like an old man. Ooh. Yeah, wow. yeah. I didn't, were, were, were moon boots a good boot? They feel like they were early UGGs. Um, yeah, they were. Right. I, I feel like they were. I mean, the ones I had were always cheap because we were also not wealthy but apparently wealthy enough for me to have moon boots um yeah, you, yeah the yeah. cheap ones yeah, yeah yeah so they would get holes in them and you'd have to watch you have to put probably say bread bag. Bag. i don't know you had to put bread bags over your i, I remember doing that with other shoes that what yeah. a what an odd thing right because yeah. you know the shoe or boot is not going to keep your foot dry so you just preemptively amazing yeah they, they make an entire boot and can't keep it as dry as a bag would keep your foot dry. <laughs> Build that on in there while you're making the boot. <laughs> that's a real seriously. Real. Yeah, and maybe maybe these folks at is this Intuitive Machines uh, is the uh, is the private company that wasted a lot of money um, on a some kind of lunar spacecraft. Uh, maybe they should have thought about 
how to keep their machine upright. Just tipped yeah, over. Tipping. What causes it to tip over? Like, like did it start out it. upright or did it just land wrong? Never got up. Mm. Is there wind with? on the moon? There is not. That's why the, what the would flag cause that they tip over had to right. be structured. Has, yeah. to like it exactly. Yeah. What would cause it to tip over? What would be maybe the thing that would? Maybe the foot came down and got one of those little craters. You know, maybe like a little tripod. When you have a tripod tip over, yeah. Or we could have read the article. I guess that that would have been helpful. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story is it's harder than it looks to land on the moon and uh turns out nasa knew what it was doing (laughs) yeah and then and then it has there's the photo that's here on the on the live stream version so if you want to go look at it or you could just google this this story yourself but there's a little little sub subcaption to the to the photo and it says an arrow pointing to the intuitive machines nova c lander it's the name of it and then in the screen kind of in the middle there's a teeny little white arrow that's pointing at the moon lander so something is taking this photo from way high maybe a satellite or something so then it says uh, the lander on the moon service on february 24th and then photo credit and this is what i just love about then photo credit nasa goddard arizona state university nasa and Goddard, the space the the space laboratory, and Arizona State University are all like, yeah, privately funded <laughs> spacecraft tipped over. We have a picture of photo credit, public funding for sp- for space space work. <laughs> just, just a little, little troll right there, uh, a little sub troll in the uh, and the fact that 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 NASA is going to make sure they're getting photo credit. They're not letting anybody take their photo credits of the moon. They're, it's it's NASA's photos if it's of the moon. Yeah, and <laughs> and let me let me tell you, I mean, really stunning photograph too. Like, really shows you exactly what's going on with the uh, the tipped over <laughs> spacecraft. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sarcasm for the. Uh, is this like, is there no zoom? NASA, do you have no zoom on your camera? That we're looking at. There's a lot of circular shadows on this picture, but the one we're looking at with the tiny arrow is more of a rectangle, and so that's how you know it's a uh, yeah. And it's <laughs> really small. This must be a very small uh, spacecraft for the compared to the size of the moon. Well, uh, hey, speaking of moon. On April 8th, the moon's going to be in the way of the sun if you're in certain parts of the world, including in the United States. And it's a solar eclipse that people who care about this kind of thing are so excited for because it's a going to have a path of what's called totality where the entire sun will be blotted out by the moon. And when that happens, people who've experienced and seen these things talk about it as a life transformative visual experience that Paul Wallace, astrophysicist and regular on the podcast, the one who will be joining us in, in, in our experience, I'm going to tell you about in a moment has said that as a grown man, he wept for minutes when he saw one. And this is the second one, the last one he'll have a chance to see in his life in this, this style, I guess. So he's going to be there. It is an amazing thing that uh, many, many people don't know about at all or are just now hearing about. And other people have been arranging their lives for a decade to, to, to go see this thing. So you can Google the path of totality. It kind of comes through Texas and then goes through, I think, Arkansas too, and then all the way up to yep. you know, the East Coast. But the whole country is not in totality and it's, the, the swath is, pretty, is fairly narrow. Uh, but we're going to be hosting a group to, to experience this out in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is on the, on the western border of Texas and Mexico, looking over the Rio Grande River and, uh, and experiencing this thing together. So if you want to join us for that, drive your way out or fly into San Antonio and uh, we'll pick you up and, uh, and get you out there. There's all the information on the, our website about this. And then, then that rolls into a border experience where we will then uh, spend some time for those who want to stay around for another three days and experience uh, what life is like along the border and move um, Mexico and U.S. sides of the border and all the rest of it. So some things happening that have to do with the moon and politics uh, with your friends at Vote Common Good in April. And then again in April, we'll be uh, doing not a lunar uh, solar eclipse, but a, a border experience in Arizona. So, Are we, uh, are we done for the day? An hour? Yeah, we are. I just want to, I just want to, if, 
if one were to want to, could you put that picture back up, Dan? If one were to fake, want to fake a lunar landing, um, and and you wanted to have some kind of proof that there was a landing, um, but you know you, you're faking it. You know, I think what I would want to do is get a picture mm-hmm. of. Um, you know, a gray surface with lots of black circles and, uh, and then have w- one little circle, um, that, you know, you can't really see what's going on there at all. It's just, they're all just black circles. You'd want to point at that black circle and say, there it is. That's the one that's us. That's, that's what it. we did. That's it. Yeah, it, it seems like if. This is like if you were gonna fake something, this would be exactly the kind of picture you would use to fake it. Yeah, <laughs> I think Luckily, Rob, that this be. picture is not the only way to determine whether or not an object is on the moon. So, <laughs> I think if you were gonna fake it, Rob, you would create have AI your chat GPT create one for you that I just did right now while you were talking and you. Would, uh, uh, so I don't think up there. So if I were going to be like, "Hey, let's convince people that we did a lunar landing and it was a big fakie," that's what you would have. And you have I love how there's making a moon landing. I, you don't do that photo that NASA is is uh, is pitching. I love that there's two moons in your picture there, Dan or Doug. That's, there's two <laughs> moons in your picture. It's fantastic. Well, you're on the moon, then you can still see the moon. That's fun. You can see the moon because. It, it was shot in Arizona, that photo. Yeah. Yeah. Area um, 51. Area 51. New Mexico. Uh, hey, all right. Hey, and if you're in the Arizona area and the California, Southern California area, we will be out there. February, March 5 and 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. We're going to be in Arizona and Southern California. So go to the Vote Common Good website. You can keep up with us. We're doing training events. We're rolling up on Franklin Graham and trying to do some counter messaging. We're going to be talking to some politicians, a whole lot of stuff going on starting next week. So if the podcast is a little delayed or is coming to you from some some secret locations, uh, that's because we're we're out on the road and, and on the move on the move. So um, thanks. Thanks all for being a part of this and being tolerant when we have to be doing um, uh, all of this podcasting along with the rest of the work that we're that we're up to. All right. We good. Yeah. We'll we're see everybody uh, tomorrow. All right, let's say let's say hi to people. So Alex, of course, the squirrely prepper lifestyle. Great to see you, Yabbits. Uh, Kimberly, Jim, maybe was on here. Did I see you? Oh, Mike, yeah, good to see you, Mike. Trisha, thanks for all your all your input. I feel like there was a new a new voice, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, good. Dodi, Dodi, uh, jumped on for a little bit. Said hi. Ah, yeah, loving life. Always. I like loving life. Yeah. <laughs> all right so thanks all for uh, for being part of the um you know of this uh stream with us and uh we're making making all this hard work feel a little more homey by uh by being there in the chat all right